podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Peacock Streaming, the biggest live events from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I can't even say the name because it's been so long. I am here with none other than Matt Candela. Hi Pete, how's it going? It's going good. This is going to be a rusty one because it's been, it feels like it's been about a month. So much has happened. We've been in mourning. Yeah, we have. We have. got. No, I've had nothing to complain about really over the last month. Well, I have. I've had a lot of, you know, I did a bit of campaigning for who I thought should be the Arsenal manager. It didn't work out. Uh, but we do have a new name that we're going to talk about uh, today. A little bit late to the party, but I feel like once the now the dust has settled a bit and we've had time to get used to it, we've seen um, Arsenal.com hawking the new man around the place. We've got some thoughts on that. Uh, there's also been uh, a lot of movement in the transfer window. Well, it feels like there's been a lot of movement, so we're starting to see how the summer's shaped up. So we can discuss that. Um, and I think that that'll be plenty to get on with. Yeah, we've got a lot to say about the new man in charge, or the new men in charge. So the club pulled a, a bit of a surprise out of uh, out of the hat when they announced Unai Emery to Arsenal. I think that most Arsenal fans thought it was going to be Arteta, uh, Nagelsmann, or Allegri. I think that. Emery was announced, and it was a, it, it was quite shocking. Uh, I was a little bit flatlined to start with, but now we're a few weeks in. We've seen him try and talk English, um, and some of the plans are starting to shape up. Uh, it's starting to look a bit more positive. But like, tell me, uh, tell me, Matt, what were your thoughts when we when the news dropped? Yeah, well, like you said, I think uh, my first reaction was I was a little bit disappointed. Um, and a lot of that disappointment really came from the fact that we've been hearing Arteta for so long. And like any optimistic Arsenal fan after so many years of Arsene Wenger, after a few days of being wary about Arteta, I'd convinced myself that that was actually the right answer and, it was, and he was going to be a good manager. So to then have another guy sprung on us just sort of left me in a bit of a spin and I don't really know how to feel about it. And I think, you know, you never... Your pride never wants you to take on a manager who wasn't good enough for another football club. And he got given the boot from PSG. He didn't deliver what they needed. So there was a sense of, oh, he's not good enough for PSG, but he's good enough for Arsenal. What are we doing? Bargain basement. Why are we doing all this? But now the dust has settled, and I don't know whether this is post-rationalisation or whether... Uh, it's, 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 it, it is going to be the case, and only time will tell. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, for a number of reasons. One, um, I think he did pretty well at PSG. And people will point at losing a four-goal lead and all that. But he won five trophies. He won the league championship. There, he's managed the biggest players in the world. Um, there is no doubt he has learned a tremendous amount from his experience. There's no doubt that PSG is a circus. He's come out of it having won the league there. And uh, and I think we've got someone who, who's both learnt a lot, um, but is also he wants to make a name for himself, and he's hungry, and uh, and I think it bodes well for Arsenal. Yeah, I'd, I I I definitely wasn't over the moon that we hired him, but I I can't face another three years of being miserable um, about Arsenal Football Club, but. There are a few things that that lead me to feel pretty positive about this. I think the I think that he was a a flop at, at PSG. I don't think there's any other way of looking at it. Like he he lost a he lost a, a one horse race to Monaco in his first season, which is really shoddy considering the, you know how expensively assembled that squad was. Um, and in his second season, I think he won the the quadruple, um, which is great. Um, but with that sort of resource, you really should be um, you should be doing that. I think going out against Madrid um, in the Champions League was pretty poor. Like he should have definitely made it at least um, well, they, a, a they, semi-final. They won it. 
Yeah, I, I know they won it, but they were that, that was a Madrid team in seriously bad shape at, at that particular time of the year. I mean, people were talking about Zidane getting the boot um, at the end of the season, uh, like before he'd even have a chance. So I think that when you've got one of the greatest players in the world at your disposal, you really should be doing a little bit better over two seasons. But at least he won a, a, a few trophies. Um, but I, I do feel that we've got a, a manager that sits outside the top five in Europe. I think... What he's hoping for off the back of this is that he can reestablish his name as one of the elite. He's definitely damaged goods, but he'll have a chip on his shoulder, I hope. And maybe that makes him work harder. Maybe he can bring through uh, some of the lessons learned into this Arsenal project. Like My hope was that we were either going to sign the best of the best, somebody that's won the Champions League before, uh, and really make uh, like, like a splash that way, or we sign an unknown quantity, because I feel that... It's going to be very difficult to topple Pep with that sort of budget uh, and that that sort of thinking. I, I think, don't well, I think PSG are one of the top six teams in Europe at the moment. I don't think many people would disagree with that. Just in terms of where the, what they've achieved, you know, you've looked at them play English clubs. They played Chelsea a couple of times in recent years and knocked them out of the Champions League. When Chelsea were champions, uh, they won have won their league. They've got a host of exceptional players. Uh, and I think you look at it and you go, did he, he, he did an okay job. And I think for Arsenal in the current state we're in, which is sixth in the Premier League, uh, which is uh, playing in the Europa League, which is no real star players, uh, to get a, a manager from a club that is effectively uh, in a tier above us right now, with something to prove, is is not too bad. Yeah, I, I, and I think the I, Gazidis hedged his bets. Like he lost his bottle on Arteta, who was obviously his favourite. Uh, I think he got a, a little bit scared, and then he's he's not gone for a, a tier one manager like a like a Conte or um, or an Allegri. I think he's gone for. Do you think Conte is a better manager than Emery? Well, like Conte can speak English to start with. He's just, you know, won the Premier League two seasons ago. Like he's sulked his way out of Stamford Bridge. But I'd feel more confident that Conte could deliver us um, a championship than Emery. At least he's got Premier League experience. Mm. Um, but Arsenal are not an elite team at the moment. Like it's it's a it's a big rebuilding job at Arsenal, and like just a, like a rebuilding job, like from the from the DNA up. Almost. Okay, so forget the reputation and forget what we think of what he's done in the past. Uh, what do you think of how of what you've heard since he's been manager? Because I've been really impressed by the way, well, one, by the way he, and, and we don't know how much of this is PR bullshit, but one, by the way he approached his meetings with Gazidis in terms of the profile of how he talked about the team uh, the research that had gone into it from what we've heard. But also, it seems like he is going to be the exact opposite of Arsene Wenger in that he seems to have a very, very, very clear plan of what this Arsenal team needs and is setting about from the rumblings that we're hearing and addressing exactly the problems that, even though they might not be as sexy as we'd like, are the problems that you know really face this team, namely an inability to stop people scoring goals against us. Yeah, well, I completely agree with you. He's the the antithesis of Arsene Wenger. Like he's he's a he's a pragmatist, but he's not like a Mourinho style pragmatist. He's a pragmatist that can play like beautiful, exciting, free flowing football. I like that we've hired. There was a lot of talk of energy. Like he's an energetic guy, and I think that uh, Arsene lost a, a bit of his uh, pizzazz. Uh, in the latter years, everything was too comfortable. Everything was laid back. Um, There was no intensity to the press conferences. There was uh, no curiosity. You'd have to say for eight years, like literally no curiosity as to why we kept on losing because we kept on making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, I I, I quite enjoyed the, um, the, the France football interview that he had with the guy um, who wrote um, Pep Confidential. Where he was, uh, where he was talking about all of the different clubs that he's been at, and that he kind of 
he looks at the tools that he has at his disposal and then he builds a system around that. And he's like, well, you know, when you're a, a PSG, uh, it's about making the right decisions, always being prepared and then letting your stars uh, like run the show. But when you're at Sevilla or a, or a smaller club, then um, it's like it's more of a unit thing. And it's it's less about the star players. Everybody knows uh, their jobs, but because you're you can deal with losing a little bit better so it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with arsenal because we're not severe we're not a, you know a team with a, a, a top salary of 40 grand a week and when you said that arsenal don't have star players i completely disagree with that i think and, that, and that's something i've read quite a lot like on the internet we have we have quite a few star players in my opinion aaron ramsey is a star uh like 27 year old uh, like hitting the peak of his game, he's going to be earning 200 grand a week. Meza Ozil, World Cup winner, 350 grand a week. Obama Yang, huge star, in my opinion, one of the hottest strikers in Europe. Lacazette, uh, like 20 goals. No, I mean, they're, they're big names. I mean, they're not... Um, they're, they're, they're not unknown, for sure. But we signed Lacazette from Lyon. Uh, Meza Ozil, I'll give it to you, is, an, is a star name. Obama Yang is... Uh, spent his whole career, has never gone to a bigger name club, he's aged nearly 30, than Borussia Dortmund, where he's done really well and I'm really excited and he's had a great start. But we, Arsenal is the biggest club of all their careers, with the exception of Mesut Ozil, who I grant is a superstar. But the rest of them, Arsenal, who are currently sixth and in the Europa League, is the biggest club of their career. So they're not superstars. And I think, you know, that's Emery can, can more than handle those. Ozil will be another kettle of fish, because you're right. He is a five times German player of the year. He is uh he 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 is gonna I think what Emery does with Ozil is gonna be one of the most interesting things to watch. Is he going to uh to mollycoddle him? Is he going to play him? Is he gonna sell him? Yeah, like I'm, I mean, I'm he doesn't. He doesn't really have a choice outside playing him, does he? I mean, you can't. A club like Arsenal can't really keep a three hundred and fifty grand a week player on the bench. So no, you have to work out a way of. Yeah, is it, I guess the bigger question is: Is he going to create a system that allows Özil to have a free role, or is he going to make Mesut Özil track and back like everyone else does? I think it's going to be interesting to watch because we, whatever anyone says. Mesut, everyone goes, oh, it's the way he plays. Well, we've seen Mesut Ozil play and tackle back and play really hard, and it's fantastic. He just doesn't do it very often. I think, yeah, and I, you, made, you made the point. I, I think it was uh, Chelsea in the semi-final of the League Cup. And you, and, you, yeah, and you said that the reason that everybody gets upset with uh, Mesut is because sometimes he doesn't play well, and the reason that everyone's highlighting on that particular game that he's putting in a shift is because he actually put in a shift. And I think that, that it's... Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what um, what Emery does there for sure because he's going to have to work out a way of motivating him because there is no club, no club in Europe would pick Meza up when he was on 140 grand a week. So there's no way that we're going to find somebody to pay a transfer fee for, what is he, 28, 29? Uh, on 350 grand a week. So we've just got to hope that Meza, uh, that Meza doesn't have a like Winston Bogard I've got my money. I'm I'm tapped out. Tight moment, but hopefully, hopefully he won't. I mean, I read that his back injury is real and that he's struggling with that at Germany. So maybe I was a little bit overly critical there. Maybe the, all of the Arsenal fan base were, but uh, they're going to have to do something about those uh, those mid-season breaks. Uh, they're not playing in tough away games. I don't know, I don't know how they get around that, but um, I think the biggest thing for me, speaking of tough away games, is just the excitement that we're going to have an away game against a top team and we're going to have a plan. Like, yeah. And, like, that just... Because you know when, even if, say, a... Uh, like a Stoke or a, or a lesser team come to Arsenal, you know that they could give us some problems because they've got a clear game plan and they've got a decent manager and whatever else. But whenever we go to a tough away game, you know that we've got no game plan. So the idea that with our players, we're going to go and line up and and be sensible about the way we play and have been drilled on what the opposition are going to do is is really, really exciting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like the Being surprised by Arsenal tactics in a positive way 
is going to be amazing. Like having a having a system. I, I love the idea of having a manager that can be pragmatic at times. Like e- even just basics. I know it's it's such a small thing, and I know that it bothers a lot of Arsenal fans. But making subs before seventy minutes, if you need to, and not because of an injury, making them because of a like a tactical decision. Well, for me, it's. Uh it's telling the team to go out and not concede for 20 minutes. Like That would be the amount of big away games where we go and we've got everyone running forward trying to score after like three minutes and we get hit on the counter. The idea that we might just go, let's just feel our way into the game, keep a back four, get the defensive mid right in front of the centre halves, don't go racing forward. I mean, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah, it would be absolutely incredible. Um one couple of things that I am a little bit worried about. Uh, his record against Mourinho and Guardiola isn't particularly promising. So a bit of the Arsene Wenger's about Where that. Is he playing Mourinho though? Uh, in so we've got because if it was when Mourinho was at Real Madrid, well, you know, Seville versus Real Madrid is not a particularly even fight. No, so we've got in 10 meetings with Guardiola, Emery won none, drew four and lost six at a rate of 0.4 uh, points per game. Whilst against United boss Mourinho, he won none of his five games, drawing just once at 0.2 goals per game. But um, Emery's sides uh, played against West Ham boss uh, Manuel Pellegrini, winning three of his 12 games, losing six and drawing three. But he had a decent record against Pochettino. Played seven, won four, lost two, and drew one. Uh, so, well, he might not be playing Pochettino if uh, all goes well. I know that'd be that'd be that'd be incredible. Um, yeah, I th- but I make you right. So he's got he's like he'll have a better team to deal with. Um, he'll have a better team to deal with the team. Um, my other uh, my other concern, and he actually mentioned this in his interview, was the the language issues that he's had. Like his uh, his big successes have come at Valencia. Well, um, was it um, Alaves? No, uh, I can't remember the Spanish team that he played for. Anyway, Almeria. He he finished eighth with Almeria. Then he finished three times third for Valencia. uh, And then he went to Sevilla after Moscow and he won um, three Europa Leagues back-to-back, which was his big achievement. But when he went to Moscow, he only lasted six months, and he was fired in the dressing room. So that Aidan McGeady um, interview. Remember Aidan McGeady? Yeah. Ex-Celtic player. Um, and then he went to PSG, and he had a terrible first year. I, I think that there's, like, when you're trying to express complex tactical systems, having a grasp of the English language is important. And I, my big concern is his his ability to get to grips with the English language quickly because um, I think the like when you when you bring in a whole backroom team of staff and they all speak one language, it kind of it makes it difficult for the players. You almost create cliques uh, immediately because the Spanish speakers uh, are elevated as the point of communication. And if, if he really does do 12 hours of video prep before every game, that's going to be a very slow 12 hours if he has to do that through a translator. So um, I think when you're coming to a new club, like being able to ingratiate yourself with the new players and the new staff really quickly is important. So I just wonder, like, how hard are they going at learning English? Like, how quickly can he learn that, do his job on the side, manage transfers and do all of the other bits around that? Like, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts on the language stuff? Yeah, it's a worry. I mean, you... He's not a Mourinho coming in and saying he's the special one. He's not. Uh, he hasn't got that n- that natural charisma. Uh, that and and I think maybe it will come through. Uh, um, but you know, he did a decent first crack at his press conference. He spoke in English. Um, I think he's obviously driven like nobody else to succeed. I think he'll be learning English like his life depends on it because I think his life's football, so it, it sort of does depend on it. Um, and I think it's it's difficult to judge right now. Um, I think the the good thing is I think for what for whatever you think of it, I think Arsene Wenger has assembled a bunch of respectful, decent players 
who will want to improve and listen to what he says because I think they feel like they've underperformed. They want to do better. I mean, th- no one likes the shit that, 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 that they get all the time. And a lot of it has not been their fault. Some of it's been their fault. But I think there'll be a lot of players desperate to grasp their chance. I think it's the young players, that, like the young, it's going to be all the young uh, British players like Reese Nelson, Maitland-Niles and all those guys are suddenly going to be thinking, can I get in the, f- in the starting lineup at the beginning of the season? You've got the forgotten people like Zelalem and all those people who are thinking, can I... Everyone's gonna everyone's gonna have a chance to be in that starting lineup for the first day of the season. Whatever they've achieved at Arsenal before will no longer will not matter. So I think all of them will not be going, God, I'm a bit bored and I'm not inspired. They'll all be going, I think he means this. Is that what he means? Okay, I'm gonna do that and hopefully he'll tell me if I'm doing it wrong. You know, I don't think it's that will last a period of time. And that's not gonna last forever, but there will be a grace period. Because at the end of the day, Footballers are like everyone else, and it's it's all about opportunity. And for a lot of people, you know, well, for everyone, they have to take this opportunity and get in the get in get in the starting lineup. So you because because with Arsene Wenger, you knew you knew the team, you know. Whereas now, I think if you're if you're a, a, a Granite Xhaka, if you're a Meza Özil, if you're a, Bellerin, if you're, you know, there is no guarantee of starting the first game of the season. And uh, and so you're going to need to be seen, to be listening and to be executing his plans. Otherwise, you'll get someone else in. Because, you know, you look at what Guardiola did with like Delph and what Conte did with Moses. There are always those players who haven't been near the first team who come in and become a first team regular. And we've got so many of them where we're like, you know, I think Maitland-Niles could be starting every, 30 games, 35 games this season. He seems to have it all in his locker. Uh, you know, this young French kid who we're signing, he, I don't think we're signing him to play in the Europa League. I think we're signing him to be integrated into the starting lineup within s- six months. You know, I don't think he'd be coming to us if he didn't think that was going to be the case. You've got all these players. So I think um, the language is less of a concern for me because I think f- the footballers need to make it work as well because... Do you think Iwobi's going to be learning Spanish? <laughs> I don't think he'll be learning Spanish. I mean, the thing about Iwobi is I think that's exciting as well because he's actually pretty good for Nigeria. And uh, and you just, you know, you, you feel like he is a player who needs some discipline, some structure to be given a bit more direction. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens to what happens to him. I think the I think that that's a, an incredibly exciting point that you that you raise there. I feel that we have let a lot of the young players down over the last five to seven years because no one's really been coached. Which which just goes to show you how exceptional the young players who made it at Arsenal have had to have been. You know, like your Cesc Fabregas, um, like even even your Aaron Ramsey to a certain degree to have like so little coaching and to still be able to deliver at the highest level. What I'm excited about is having educated youngsters. If uh, Ainsley doesn't make it, it's because he wasn't good enough now, right? There's no there's no excuse. If Awobi is still shit come the end of next season, it's probably because he's not going to make it. And it's nice to know that anybody that gets cast away by us now is probably a bit of a no-hoper. Whereas, you know, the last summer, we knew that letting Chamberlain go probably wasn't the greatest uh, idea. He would have he would have suffered at Arsenal um, if if he'd stayed and it was the right move for him. But you feel like if we'd had uh, an Emery or a Klopp or somebody like that in charge of like you know the the British project or Project Youth, like would we have done better? But now we're going to know. And I think that like watching uh, watching a Wobi develop as a player over the year. Um, and like, where is he going to play? Is he going to play him centrally? Is he going to play him out wide? Um, like, what sort of role is he going to offer? Can he improve his finishing? Can he improve like his final ball? Because he put like, made some pretty exceptional assists towards the end of last season. He really started to look a player. So, well, and the other thing is, if they don't work, they're going to get sold. Yes, you know. So if Iwobi, if if the manager doesn't fancy Iwobi. I mean, Iwobi, if, if, if Iwobi could have an absolutely incredible World Cup, we could sell him for 25 million. 
I know that sounds completely crazy, but that's the world we live in now. If he has four good games for Nigeria, they get through to the knockouts. He scores a fantastic solo goal. We could flog him to someone if the manager doesn't like him. Yeah, you know, we could we we the chances are we're going to have a very different looking team come the end of the World Cup. Because you know what it's like. It was when Inamoto went and scored like six goals in the World Cup in like 2002 or whatever. You know, strange things are going to happen. Where did he go? Where did we Fulham. sell him to? Fulham. Again to Fulham. Yeah. I was excited There will always him. be some random player. Maybe Jacob will be player of the tournament. Or, you know, it's strange stuff happens. True. Very true. Okay. All right. So, um, like... Coming to the close of this section, like what do, what does success look like for you this year? I think success for me looks like getting around 12 more points than we did this season. Because uh, I think if we got... You'd think that if we took our current team and you added in some, uh, some better defensive performances, that to get four, 12 points over the course of a season would be well within our grasp... And that would mean we'd be top four. Uh, that would mean Emery had had a chance to impress his philosophy upon us, and it would mean progress. And I think if we can, if we can, if we can get scrape in, scrape top four, and get uh, and get and get tw- and get twelve extra points, and that would be a success. And and probably, you know, maybe a, maybe a Europa League because he's won three of them. So he seems to know what it will take. And I think the Europa League, again, will be a really useful competition for him to give time to uh, the youngsters. So maybe that sounds unambitious, but I think we've got to be realistic. And Pep Guardiola, his first year, he didn't win anything. Went out to Arsenal in their semi-finals, the FA Cup. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a vintage Fraudiola. year, but it got, it got him everything he needed to do to understand what... He, what he needed from his team and and boy he uh, he did it right second year so i think i think that's a, a realistic expectation and one that i'm quietly confident i think he can deliver i'm not going to disagree w- with that i think I, I think rather than just say exactly the same things back to you um additional things that i would be excited about like one or two young players breaking through and like really owning their roles um, Maitland-Niles is such an exciting young player. I'd love to see what he could do. Um, but maybe uh, maybe Willock, maybe Nelson. Well, we've um, got this young French guy who, yeah. uh, who, and we'll talk about him a bit later, but... Yeah, looks- Yassin Adley. Yeah. So maybe 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 he could have a, um, a breakout year. So some young players coming through. Um, I, w- I would love to to feel like I know what my club stands for, like identity-wise. Like, wh- what is Arsenal's style of football? On the pitch, like are, are those little nerdy kids, the what are they called, like fluid football or whatever it is, are they making comps of Arsenal playing out the back? You know, like what 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 sets us apart from other clubs? What do you expect when you turn up? Like, what's the intensity like? What how technical are we? What do we do that's really interesting or exciting? Well, I think one of the interesting things is we seem to be going after a load of old players, and there's two ways of looking at it because we don't know what the strategy is. And our hope is we're buying those old players as a bridge for the young players that are going to come through <laughs> rather than we're just trying to look really short-term and plug a hole. And yeah. we don't know which of those two it is, but hopefully the, strategy, the long-term strategy is youth, young, young, young players coming through, through the academy, best in class around Europe, classic Sven Dortmund style, and not like current Sven Dortmund style, which is like all the old players that have already come through. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, I'd love our identity to be young, energetic stars of Europe who uh, who press and uh, play attractive football. Awesome. So on that note, we will uh, end part one and we'll come back shortly to talk about who those old players are. So we have had a number of players linked with us. It is the silly season, of course, um, and we're all craving some big names. We haven't been uh, perhaps as excited as we might have been with what we've heard. The names uh, being linked at the moment, uh, Lichtensteiner, 34-year-old 
part-time right back for Juventus. Uh, Socrates, uh, not to be confused with the Greek philosopher, current uh, <laughs> 29-year-old uh, centre-half at Dortmund. Uh, last rumoured to have put in a sterling performance in 2016. And uh, last but not least, uh, Marouane Fellaini. Oh, the, uh, gosh. I mean, the clogger uh, who um, Jose Mourinho seems to rate, but no one else does. It hasn't been the most inspiring bunch of players, uh, but it does say something about if, if true, about the kind of player that we're looking to recruit. Yeah, I think the uh, Emery seems to be getting unfairly criticised uh, about this. Like it's his, like he's he's come in and he's like, those are the three players. I think that there are a few things that we've got to remember. The new structure, Sven, Sven Mislin's hat, is the guy that's uh, like strategizing what the squad's going to look like. And uh, as as we like heard through the process with Gazidis, um, the the club told the new manager who we were signing, and the new manager was on board. Like like you'd say in an interview, I'm not on board with that. See you later. Um, but I, I think that we've got to look at the transfer window from January. Really, um, Aubameyang, Mkhitaryan, um, Lichtensteiner, Lichtensteiner. Um, Socrates and Fellaini. Like you can see that the three players that we've signed this summer are about injecting like experience, a bit of know-how. Um, I think the uh, the right back is there to help educate Bellerin, but I don't think you can get better than somebody who's won the Serie A five times and played uh, like in super intense tactical football under Allegri. Um, Socrates. Uh, became a, a fan favorite. Um, it became a fan favorite under Thomas Tuchel. So he's used to playing in uh, super technical systems, playing it with a with a crazy manager. Um, like it, I know that a lot of people are saying that he's a bit of an average defender, but I think uh, I think if you look at some of the write ups that he's had on Bundesliga dot com, if you look at how his teammates reference him and his ex managers. Uh, like he seems to be like very popular. Like he's played. Um, he's also played for Milan, so he understands what it is to play for a big club. Um, and then Fellaini, I'm I am struggling with Fellaini um, a little bit, but he's still only 29 years old. Got a lot of Premier League know-how. Would give us something coming off the bench. Uh, he certainly would give us a physical presence that our midfield has lacked. He's played under um, Mourinho, so. Like again, can play in a, a, a tactical system, and hopefully, the, Emery can weaponize him in some way. I mean, Juventus were interested in him. Manchester United want to continue to sign him. I think United are also interested in Socrates. Uh, Lichtensteiner feels like a, just a, a solid signing. Like we're building out the squad with with men, right? That's what it looks like. Real men, not none of this uh, nice boys Theo Walcott style. Signings. Yeah, well, I, I heard, I mean, I think uh, for me, Liechtenstein is a really good signing. Bellerin played more games than anyone else. Outfield player, as an outfield player, I think, last season. And desperately needs a bit of mentorship and a bit of a rest so he can actually miss some games because he is such a all-round action player. So much of his game is, is built around getting up and down. And I think when it really came to it in the Europa League semi-final second leg, he just looked a bit a little bit tired. Played every game pretty much. Uh, we're obviously also going to miss be missing Koscielny, uh, whatever you think of him. I, th- I think he's a bit average now. But um, and I think so. Socrates coming in uh, seems like a really solid player uh, to be to sort of act as maybe a bridge between. Uh, and while we see whether the likes of Rob Holding, uh, Chambers under a new manager with a defensive idea can can come good. We've, we've, they've both got quality that, and people will go, Callum Chambers, you know, you can fuck off. The reality is uh, he has got quality. We saw it when he first arrived. We saw it against Atletico Madrid. We haven't seen him play in a defensive system with defensive support with a decent manager. So I'm looking forward to seeing whether they can, whether they are any good or whether they're not any good. Uh, but we can't judge them yet. Um, my bigger worry is just this raiding of of Dortmund, um, because I'm like, we bought this guy to bring in 
the best young talent like you did at Dortmund, not to go back to Dortmund and buy a load of players who, when it really came to it, didn't go on and play for Barcelona, Real Madrid, the very, 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 very top teams. So that bit is puzzling me a little bit. And I, I sort of expected a bit more than to sign Mkhitaryan, and Obama Yang and potentially Socrates from your old club. Uh, I've tried to rationalise it and go, oh, look, in other walks of life when you know some people and you trust some people. But I am a little bit concerned about that. I'm, I'm sort of... I was expecting a bit more variety. Uh, so so that, that's, a, that's a bit of a Do you think one of, the, one of the things that I've been pondering over the last few days is uh, Raul, uh, our sporting director, has no Premier League experience... Mislintat has no Premier League experience, and nor nor does Emery. Do you, do you think that they're underestimating the Premier League a little bit, like uh, expecting a thirty-four-year-old to be able to adapt to the league? Although he'll only probably played twenty games a season, like adapting to the rigors of the Premier League at twenty-nine years old is still going to be that's that's still a big ask. I mean, you have I sort of I'd almost go the other way, which is they feel like it feels so pragmatic. Like, it feels so built for the Premier League. Like, a 34-year-old tough Swiss, Swiss guy is going to play, like, 15 games. A, a tough German defender. I mean, he's no-nonsense, Socrates. Fellaini was the guy we haven't actually touched on yet just because it's too depressing to even mention his name. Yeah. But they are, they are built to get you those... If, I, if, if we said our strategy is to get 12 extra points this season, those are three players who you... Could all could think could all contribute at least three or four points each to Arsenal. You know, there may be maybe we're so pragmatic now that we're going. Yeah, we'll sign those three. We'll get another five points out of the current squad, and we'll get our target of fourth place, and that will unlock more budget. We'll get into the Champions League, and we're, and we're looking at it like like that. I don't know because they're also is also interesting that a club that is like typically very frugal with money is investing quite substantial figures in older players. Like um, Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang uh, will both be 29 come the start of the season. Socrates will be 30 come the start of the season. And then you've got like a 34-year-old um, right back from Juventus. Like it's, it, it, does, it feels like a very short-term shot for, for top four. The other thing is, didn't Ivan and Sven and all those guys, didn't they know that uh, Wenger was probably going to be gone in the summer. Because it feels like the whole plan was to get rid of him in the summer regardless. Yeah. So so going out and spending all that money in January and obliterating the transfer fund, I think, I mean, Aubameyang has been a great signing. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Mkhitaryan was maybe our hand was slightly forced with the whole Sanchez thing. But it was a lot of money to spend on a manager who was clearly like, on his last legs. Maybe, um, maybe they're looking at succession planning. Maybe um, I, I originally thought when Socrates came in that they had. Do you remember when we signed Remy Gard to look after yeah. the young French players? And I was wondering whether signing in like a, a sort of like semi-legendary Greek defender to look after. Mavrapanos. So maybe there's maybe there's a tie yeah. in there, yeah. like help him settle in, help him bed into the squad. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like Lichtensteiner has been signed because Arsenal know that Bellerin is a precocious talent that needs some form of guidance. Like he will usually be fit, but he needs some help, and obviously Callum Chambers isn't a great backup yeah. in that position. And then Shaka with his national team captain, if he's going to be playing a lot of games again. Uh, and then you, you do need a brute in in your midfield. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm over the moon about Fellaini uh, coming, but I, f- I feel like Fellaini could do a job at the base of midfield. He could maybe offer us something in the last 20 minutes, but the guy's hugely experienced in the Premier League. Um well, so he'd, I'm, he'd, I'm not he'd totally probably give you it. eight goals, and if it's if you're one goal down and it's 78 minutes gone, you'd rather have Fellaini coming on than Iwobi, you know? Yes, yeah, completely agree. So uh, it, it, it's a very, very pragmatic uh, group of signings, but 
I think one could argue that they, exactly the sort of signings that we need. Like we're not. I, I don't think Arsenal are, are begging for more small technical players to, and, to and, come through. And for years we were crying out for certain things, and then we'd get completely opposite. We were crying out for a defensive midfielder and centre halves, and we'd get another left-sided attacking midfielder who's about five foot six. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. You can't be. You can't crave pragmatism and defensive solidity and then get annoyed when you get signings that give you that are very pragmatic and give you defensive solidity, you know? It is interesting that the the son and Jeremy Wilson are tonight frantically leaking that he's not a priority. Son are, are claiming that Arsenal are unlikely to sign Fellaini. He is not regarded as an Arsenal type player by many influential figures at the club, and his salary expectations of 120k per week plus signing on fee is seen as way too high. But on that, on the flip side, it is interesting that Juventus are also uh, like hovering around. So. Uh, th- 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 maybe there is something in there, but th- it it does it does feel like we're trying to reinvigorate the culture at the club uh, and and put some men in there to maybe shake some of the cliques out and get b- a bit more of a winning attitude in there. What do you think of the um, the French kids, the French kid? You seen his videos? You an expert in him yet? Well, his I've name is uh, Yassin yeah, Adley. I think he's got uh, one in two. For the French, for the national team, for at, his, at whatever level he's at, I don't know. Uh, him and uh, the other guy Gomez, who I think went to Man City, were the two bright hopes of that level of, uh, of, of in France. I mean, he looks. I mean, it's a classic Arsene Wenger signing. It uh, does look like an Arsene Wenger yeah, signing. And, yeah. and I sort of, I, I honestly, Arsenal have let me down so many times over the years. The idea of them finally having a plan, I just can't take it seriously quite yet. But in in principle, the idea of of buying very experienced players and very young players is sort of a sound one. You yeah. know, it means that you can avoid playing peak prices. Yeah. You know, it means that we're, it's we're very Dortmund, right? Yeah, yeah, and and it it's sort of it's making a lot of sense for me at the moment. And uh, if we can get a couple of these young players come through. It could be uh, could be very exciting. And that Yassin was coveted by Bayern Munich, Madrid, and PSG offered him extortionate wages to stay on with them. So he is he's quite the coup. And to your point earlier, he's definitely not come to Arsenal to go out on loan to West Brom for three seasons. No, no, no. no. This guy is going to be playing in the first team by Christmas, and hopefully he's uh, he's more Nicholas Sanelka than. Uh, Someone who's not like looking at his face. Yeah, but isn't it interesting? I don't think I've been excited about young players for about 10 years, namely because you just know they're not going anywhere. Like, don't get attached. You know, it's like having farm animals. Don't give them names because you'll only be disappointed. Like the Carlos Velas, uh, the, the Fran Moridas that we hit up in the mountains because he was so good. The Nicholas Bedners, and none of them ever came good. So disappointing, but now at least at least we'll know we'll be getting a fair yeah, crack. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit harsh. We've had Bellerin, we've had Maitland Niles. You can't put Maitland Niles in there. He's <laughs> hardly uh, hardly made it, and even Bellerin. I mean, I, I know that he's, he's made it. But... To- Ainsley's getting a lot of airtime, and, th- and then there's the other guy that who I think could really make a big impact this season. Maybe I'm just getting excited. Uh, Eddie Nicotia. Yes, I mean, Wenger said he's the guy. He's ready. I don't know why he'd say that if he didn't think it. Uh, he's got something about him. I mean, I wonder whether he's going to be our Marcus Rashford. Well, Maitland-Niles uh, was Wenger's last ever substitution. And I, I, I feel that that was poignant in some way. Wenger knew that if he was going to send him off. But Eddie Nicotia, I am very excited. I would love to have like a homegrown striker. Yeah, and he, he looks, looks confident, looks like doesn't he's got he? got a bit of the Ian Wright about him. He definitely does. So that would, yeah, that would be incredible. And then um, the final uh, point of discussion. What? Well, yeah, t- two things to discuss. Uh, no, three. So we're going to be dishing out contracts as well. Uh, Czech got the number one jersey. Yeah. Do we think that that is just part of a process versus a serious ploy? I think we've probably got bigger problems to fix first summer than getting a new number one goalkeeper. So, although I don't particularly like Peter Cech and I don't think he's particularly good, I think he, he will see a much improved Peter Cech 
if the people in front of him actually vaguely know what they're doing. And just having some, having a better way of, you know, he coaches corners for hours. They're going to have people playing in position. He's not going to be left so exposed. Peter Shek is still capable of making some decent saves. We, I'd love us to bring in someone else, but I can't see it. I wonder whether he'll go for Ospina because Ospina's better with the ball at his feet. Well, certainly because he plays out the back. He likes to play out the back. And Czech playing out the back is not, not a pleasure to watch. No. Maybe he'll bring Chesney back. Juve are out there trying to sign another number one goalkeeper. Are they? Yeah, shockingly. Um, okay, next up, Danny Welbeck. New deal or no deal? No deal. No deal. No deal? Done. Get him 15 out. in 38. 18 goals in 38. Get, him, it? Out. 15. Get, Get him, him out. Get him out? No. Not no. Arsenal quality? And then the, the last one. That, uh, what do you I, think? I, I think Danny Welbeck looked a bit of a weapon towards the end of the season. I thought he had a good good game against Madrid, scored a few good goals. I know that it always looks like he's accidentally scored and it often is because he has accidentally scored a goal. But I feel like he's the perfect physical specimen for the Premier League. Like he's he's fast, he's powerful, he's got a relentless work rate. He's always in the right position, but he's just like that last minute, he just lacks that concentration and composure to be a true great. But could trying, it click? We're, we're trying to build a squad. And we've got uh, Obama Yang and we've got Lacazette. They're going to be the top two, without a doubt. They both deserve a place more than Danny Welbeck. So then it goes, do you give like that number, that backup, that third striker role to Danny Welbeck or do you give it to someone like Eddie Nicotier and let him like really have a go? And I think, you know, we're trying to build a squad here, which means if we can get... 15 million for Danny Welbeck from someone in the Premier League, like a Southampton or a, you know, or someone like that. Get the 15 million, take the weight, get the wages off, and spend that on someone else, somewhere else in the squad. And I think you have to, we've got to start thinking like that. Finally, the big man, Aaron Ramsey. Uh, lots of rumours the uh, Emery's put him uh, central as a central figure to his plans. Obviously, with that work rate and that Roy of the Rovers attitude. Um, but d- is he worth 200 grand a week? I think he's, I think he's the next new, the next Arsenal captain. So, uh, I think longest serving player, right? 11 I years. Think, I think he's, he's been there. He's done it. Uh, it's also pragmatism. I mean, we need a player who knows the club, who can improve, who wants to be there. Who's, who can contribute massively to our season. We want to empower him. There's no one else. Give him the money. Make him Arsenal captain and see how we get on. Nice. Okay, well, I, I have definitely... I, I, I don't think that we can find better in the market than Aaron Ramsey at the moment. I think that there's a lot of work to do. I think that he, his stats get padded because he tries to do absolutely everything, but maybe in a system where he's not forced to do absolutely everything, he could be something special. But he's going to have to lose... Uh, there's going to have to be some sort of give and take because he's not going to be able to play the way that he does uh, under Emery. But yeah, look, give him a new deal. It's just such a shame that we gave Ozil 350 grand a week. What a waste. What a waste. Or maybe it won't be. Maybe 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 Emery will, will solve those issues. Um, I, just final, final before we go. Um, it's, good to, it's been good to be back, isn't it's, it? It's great to be back. Uh, I just want to carry this on forever, but I, I, I won't because um, we have places to be. But... I was going to say Pochettino flirting with uh, Madrid. Uh, also towards the end of last season, he was talking about Spurs like he was potentially going to leave. Uh, then Chelsea, the Chelsea owner losing his visa, uh, cancelled the stadium uh, the stadium plans. British government saying that they're not going to let him back in even if he does get Israeli citizenship. Could we get into the top four next season? Because Spurs will certainly drop out the top four if they lose Pochettino. Uh, And if Abramovich doesn't invest, Conte's causing them problems. They won't buy out Sarri uh, and his contract. If they don't have a manager in place, they're going to be signing players. Like It's looking a mess um, at at Chelsea in particular, but Spurs could be a mess as well if uh, if their manager leaves. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think um, the, the, the good news is that Chelsea look uh, in more disarray than they have in quite some time just because the whole Abramovich set up. 
you know, they had a very Arsenal-esque season. Um, and I think you're going to look at players like, like players like Hazard, who are fantastic talents, are going to be looking around going, shit, you know, I think Hazard would like to stay at Chelsea because I think he's quite comfortable there and he can be one of the best players in the Premier League. He knows what he's doing. Um, but if they don't, if they don't make, sign anyone, he's going to be forced to, to look elsewhere. And there's a couple of players like that. Um, so that could be good news for us. Spurs, I don't think I don't think Real Madrid will go for Pochettino. I don't think if you're Real Madrid, he's he's got enough. He's he's achieved enough. I do think, you think? Do you think Wenger has? If you, I think they'd rather have Arsene Wenger because at least there is a legacy of. He's at least he's won something in his career, uh, and I think he'd actually do quite well at Real Madrid because I think you know it is a you just sent them out and tell them to enjoy themselves and there's such a wealth of talent there that they could, they're self-motivated and they know what they're doing to an extent. So um, I think it's more likely Real Madrid will hire Arsene Wenger than Pochettino because I think there'll be too many people go, you're hiring a guy who's never achieved anything, he's never managed the big-name players, previous Espanyol at Tottenham, you know, that, that would, I, I'd be very surprised if he goes to Real Madrid. He's a fantastic manager, but it is, uh, it is glaring that he's not won even a League Cup or an FA Cup. He's even won a Community Shield, mate. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. I would love to see him go, though, because I think that, that would be the downfall of Spurs. Um, but, but yeah. The, the bad news, though, is City are going to be better. And they already won, got 100 points and 100 goals, whatever you, you want to, whatever it is. So um, that's do you, I don't know whether they'll be able to maintain that level into season two. I think they're going to. I think they're going to make more signings, and I think Pep will keep them going for one more year. And then the other bad news is Liverpool are going to push them all away, in my opinion. They see what they just signed Fabinho. Uh, they've got Naby Keita. Naby Keita starting. They're going to have a new goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely going to have a new goalkeeper. The press release about Carrius and the concussion that today was, was such uh, nonsense. Yeah, absolute, absolute nonsense. I did feel for him. I was watching that, uh, watching that game, the Champions League. I was just like, oh, that poor guy. They weren't. They weren't just mistakes. They were two of the worst mistakes I've ever seen at that level. Literally putting the ball on the foot of Karen Benzema. What was he thinking? Anyway, it would be nice if we were in the Champions League. And it also shows you how quickly you can get back on top, right? So Three years. I want to see Arsenal in the Champions League final. Yeah, I would, uh, I would love to see that as well. And on that happy note, I'm going to say uh, goodbye. Uh, thank you, Matt, for, for joining the show. Thanks, Pete. Good to be back. And uh, we'll be back next Monday because we're going to start making this a little bit more regular. So uh, uh, I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Sports Social Podcast Network.